This is Pulp and Paper Canada, the podcast, hosted by Pulp and Paper Canada magazine, the industry's news source since 1903. You've tuned in to hear conversations with pulp and paper experts on the latest technologies and trends affecting this essential part of Canada's forest products sector. Hello and welcome to Pulp and Paper Canada, the podcast. I'm Christina Urquhart, editor of Pulp and Paper Canada magazine. Today, we're here to talk about the bioeconomy. While it's true that Canada has many pulp and paper mills operating cogeneration plants and pilot-scale biomass projects, it's still a fledgling industry. But the market is changing. Consumers increasingly want renewable products, and at the same time, demand has dropped for some paper segments, including newsprint and writing papers. In order to meet need, Canada's forestry value chain must commit to working with government and academia to establish new avenues for biomass, as well as sustainable sources of supply. Our guest for today's episode, Dr. Orlando Rojas, is one of the people leading the charge for the bioeconomy in Canada. Dr. Rojas is a professor at the University of British Columbia, or UBC, where he is also director of the Pulp and Paper Centre, scientific director of the Bioproducts Institute, and the Canada Excellence Research Chair in Forest Bioproducts. He joined UBC in 2019 from Aalto University in Finland, where he led a national cluster to advance the Finnish material bioeconomy. Dr. Rojas is the 2018 recipient of the Anselme Payen Award, an elected fellow of both the American Chemical Society and the Finnish Academy of Science and Letters, and a recipient of the 2015 TAPI Nanotechnology for Renewable Materials Award. He comes from a chemical engineering background, having completed a master's degree in the subject in his native Venezuela before specializing in paper engineering in Spain, earning a doctorate from Auburn University in Alabama, and landing a postdoctoral fellowship at KTH in Sweden. He also spent 10 years as a professor in the Departments of Forest Biomaterials and Chemical and Biomolecular Engineering at North Carolina State University. In his research, Dr. Rojas works towards supporting global sustainable development through renewable resources, including lignocellulose, proteins, and other biopolymers. His research group, Biobased Colloids and Materials, works at UBC on nanomaterials, colloids, and surfaces, and on understanding their role in the design, manufacture, and performance of biobased systems. Dr. Rojas brings his extensive knowledge to Canada at a time when developing sustainable practices is ever critical to the longevity of the forest products industry. In this interview, he discusses how the country's burgeoning bioeconomy is key to the future of pulp and paper, and how we can look to our European counterparts to keep pushing innovation forward. Thank you for joining us, Orlando. My pleasure, Christina. I'm happy to join you today. So you've been the director of the Pulp and Paper Center at the University of British Columbia since late last year. For our listeners who may not be familiar, can you please tell us how the Pulp and Paper Center is working with students and industry on research projects? Sure. Well, the PPC, the Pulp and Paper Center in UBC, is actually an institution that started probably around 34 years ago. So there is a lot of tradition. It was uh, founded by Richard Kerekas. And the mission was pretty much to educate, to perform research, and to link and support the industry. So we continue in the same venues. For that reason, we are very happy to collaborate with uh, postgraduate students in different programs involving so far six different departments from chemical engineering, mechanical engineering, 
uh, material science, uh, forestry, architecture, etc. So it's really a very dynamic environment where we look into different research streams from uh, biotechnology, bi biocatalytic transformation, nanomaterials to traditional pulp and paper and, and biofuel research. We're very well equipped from the point of view of uh, pulp and paper research, but also the current more advanced materials from composites to nanocellulose, lignin and nanolignin, for example. Obviously, things have taken a different path this year than what you may have expected. What are some of the goals that you have for the PPC as restrictions are easing? Pretty much after I joined uh, the university, well, uh, then we had the uh, pandemic. That means that we have had a lot of time to get organized. And uh, when we are able to go back to more normal lives, we're going to continue consolidating the staff and the membership of the Pulp and Paper Center. So, so far, we have hired a director of partner innovations, also an operation manager, a project manager, grant facilitator, and financial assistant. And that makes really a great team for supporting all the missions from education and research and partnerships with industry. I think we are in a really very good shape to start many different activities. And uh, we have a plan on offering courses and webinars. That's one thing. Also, we will continue engaging in proposal um, applications with federal agencies and collaborative uh, projects. And I think uh, this is really great opportunity. I mean, um, COVID is a challenging time, but also offers great opportunities. And this is uh, very clear for us. And I think uh, we can be part of the reinvention of the pulp and paper industry as, as we go to the next steps in the utilization of the forest resource that is so important to Canada. One of those opportunities that you guys jumped on was the creation of the Can Mask, an N95 style mask that's made entirely of wood fiber. Can you talk about the benefits of the prototype that you made and give us an update on what's going on with that project? So the can mask came from the idea as we walk around in campus of uh, the polypropylene-based masks that were disposed and, and improperly disposed on the ground and eventually end up in the water streams. And then we were wondering if there was an opportunity here for actually biodegradable materials as a replacement for uh, those solutions. And therefore, the basic idea in the can mask was to propose wood fibers to produce the material that is used for the filtration and also to hold on our faces so that we have PPE that is produced from fibers that are widely available, that are local, and produce a product that is biodegradable. This fulfilling the cost and also the performance metrics of, uh, of this type of materials. And, and I think we are very close as far as the performance. As you said, we have developed a prototype. And when we talk about the can mask, I actually like to put the other part of the wording that would be can mask concept, because we're using the can mask as a, an instrument to promote, to market the possibilities for wood fibers, not only in, in, the, in, in finding solutions to PPEs, but also beyond from textiles materials and many other um, material needs that are going to continue to come in the future. And that would include, for instance, uh, packaging, etc. So this is really a great opportunity. And, and again, we're using this as a concept to just show to society the importance of uh, wood fibers as a material that can be really a solution to many of our material needs. 
Therefore, what we're now looking into is uh, uh, forming more uh, partnerships. Uh, we have been reached out by many, many different interested parties, and we're looking into ways that we can now transfer this knowledge. So now the issue is uh, marketing and commercialization, uh, and this is not our, our uh, goal. But with those partnerships that I just mentioned, I think uh, that will be made possible in the future. So are there any other major projects that your research teams are currently working on at the PPC that you'd want to talk about? We have been very interested in looking into micro nanocellulose in many applications, in the pulp and paper, for instance, in tissue products and printable materials, in superabsorbents, in 3D printing. Uh, there are a lot of activities. We're very well equipped for uh, bioprinting and regular 3D printing. And using cellulosics, fibers, and lignin, I think there are plenty of opportunities in these directions. The other components that we're exploring very heavily has to do with energy conversion, energy harvesting and management, as well as light management. And, and I can mention, for instance, that now we're very active drafting a proposal under the frontiers for the tri-council agencies where we're looking to combine uh, different angles from art and design, from rural development, uh, economic sustainability, and material science to propose uh, new possibilities for uh, wood fibers beyond traditional pulp and paper. In your view, what's the biggest challenge facing the Canadian pulp and paper sector over the next decade? So definitely we cannot continue with the status quo. I think the pulp and paper industry in general, but also most importantly in Canada, need to uh, reinvent itself. Uh, we should be looking for uh, uh, higher product values. Of course, there is here a, a trade-off between uh, value and uh, input volume. So uh, the pulp and paper industry is uh, traditionally very high volume. And in my view, we have to start to look more and more closely uh, on uh, generating value, product value. So going from bioenergy, uh, $100 per ton or, or lumber or pulp and paper, $300 to $800 per ton to materials that can be $20,000 uh, per ton. So I think that would be the right direction, generate value. And for that, we need to really change uh, our mindset. And um, there are many opportunities, and, and I can give many examples from my past experiences in Finland. But in the area of uh, packaging, in the area of textiles, biocomposites, there are great opportunities. And, and in Europe particularly, there are many examples of uh, developments in this direction. So it's just that we need to think, uh, use the research that is available domestically in Canada, and to really propel those ideas to generate value. And that should be considering going beyond pulp and paper. Yes, I mean, sometimes it's challenging on the company side for them to get past that hurdle of wanting to make that investment and test out technology that's not yes. necessarily proven in their mind. That's right. But then we have this idea of the biorefineries or, or what is called in Finland the bioproducts mill, where large volume production units are settled, are active and very dynamic. And around the different uh, production units, we have satellite streams or bioproducts to produce, uh, especially chemicals or bioproducts, biomaterials. And I think this concept of integration is here very important. So we don't need to sacrifice what we already have, the capital that is invested and the units that are already operating. It's just a, an issue of uh, integrating the typical pulp and paper mills 
with other production units that can be in charge of generating the value that I mentioned. You touched on this a little bit, but you're also the Canada uh, Excellence Research Chair in Bioproducts and leading the UBC Bioproducts Institute. So you're saying that you feel that the, the growth of bioproducts is pretty crucial to Canada going forward in terms of making the pulp and paper sector viable. That's right. It's a question of survival of, or, or sustainability for the industry. I know some companies that today generate large profits from materials that were not known 10 years ago, and they are typical pulp and paper mills. So it's really important. And, and according to several calculations, uh, the idea of replacing 1% of uh, fossil fuel and plastics by uh, wood-based or forest-based materials can really represent a, a large uh, revenue. Some companies and in the EU programs, for instance, I know the calculations go around $60 billion per year. Uh, only if we think about uh, 1% substitution. So the opportunity is there. We just need to really uh, incentivize these ideas and, and make them to work. And as far as I, I see, there are a lot of movements around in our ecosystem. So if we think about, for instance, companies in Finland that uh, have uh, biomedical uh, units or department where they are looking into producing tissue engineering materials that are, of course, very small volumes, but represent a segment that can be of very high revenue and, and very high interest. Or, or the investments by uh, companies like Fortum in Finland with, uh, with MESA, with uh, large investments in the lignin, hemicellulose and cellulose space, trying to go beyond uh, uh, typical pulp and paper products, but also considering, for instance, textiles. So major opportunities in, in, in these areas. And I think we need to be prepared to compete in, in the same streams. Mm -hmm. and, and I think Canada is very well positioned given the very last vast uh, forest resource that we have here, and also, of course, the very high uh, educational level the, in, in the industry and the universities. I think we're in the, in the best position to really be at the forefront in this area. Yeah, I saw that METSA has uh, got the go-ahead now to start construction on that bioproducts mill. They're putting a lot of money and weight behind what you're saying here. That's right. Of course, it's very important that we have uh, alliances with government uh, is so critical. So I think this is not a, a, an issue or a challenge that can be solved by one sector of the industry, but really requires a support from many different directions. So government should also have a very critical role. You were in Finland before this. You were at Aalto University working on bio-based colloids and materials. Can you talk to me uh, about what that research involved? One of the Perhaps a major enterprises that we achieved and is continuing in Finland before coming here was creating a national cluster called FinSeries. It's essentially a bioeconomy, materials bioeconomy cluster of research between Alto University and uh, the Finnish Research Center, VTT. And this, I, I think, is a very good example of how we can do things between academia, research centers, and government. In the particular case of uh, Finland, we received, after an application, a project application, 20 million uh, euros that can be multiplied by the inputs by the university and the VTT to really double that amount so that we have a cluster of researchers precisely looking into the future of pulp and paper and the fiber resource of the future. 
And in this ecosystem, therefore, we put together a lot of uh, projects that are looking in things like interactions between cellulose and water. This is very important for tissue materials, packaging materials. Uh, if we think about superabsorbance, for instance. Also, we have been looking into uh, spinning, uh, fiber spinning or filament spinning. And there are many spin-off companies in, in, in Finland that relates to textiles. So here we're looking into the use of cellulose and lignin to spin fibers and also many other research directions, especially considering micro and nano cellulose. So we have been very active in this area of nanotechnologies, uh, nanotechnologies of renewable materials. And, and the last of these good results that we achieved was in the area of adhesion. So looking into a super glue made entirely from cellulosic nanomaterials that can compete with the best commercial superglues that exist in the market. These are just very few examples of the things that are happening in Finland, that continue to happen in Finland. And, and I think there are great opportunities here also in Canada in similar directions, because nanotechnologies in Canada have really taken very a strong footprint. And there are a lot of developments in the production and commercialization of cellulose nanocrystals and cellulose nanofibers. There's a couple mills that are involved with pilot scale, but like you said, you know, you need bigger scale government involvement, industry involvement, and you're doing that through the Bioproducts Institute facilities, interested in working with a post-secondary institution like UBC. How do they facilitate that on, on a bigger scale? This is what really our mission is. Uh, we, we want to branch out, reach out to industry and to look into opportunities. So one thing that we're already doing is uh, forming uh, what we call a boreal alliance between the Bioprose Institute and different research organizations, especially in Finland, Sweden, and also Switzerland is incorporated in this alliance. So this is really a great opportunity because here we have the knowledge base that can help the industry to solve many of the problems and challenges, and also to, to think about the future. So in the Bioprose Institute, we are um, trying to develop the know-how and the foresight so that we can identify the opportunities in the future. Again, bioproducts that are economically viable, that perform the, the way that is optimum and produce a solution for many of our materials needs, as, as I gave some examples early on. So it's just a question of uh, reaching out and establishing a conversation. I think it is great what we have uh, in the BPI. Uh, we have a building an infrastructure that is sitting there since uh, quite a, a long time ago. But now in the last floor, in the upper floor, we have a renovation going on where we're going to have an excellent infrastructure for research. And this will be available for service and, and for joint projects. I have mentioned earlier, uh, new professors that have been hired by UBC. There is a huge emphasis in, in promoting different streams of research related to bioproducts. Uh, if you look into our webpage, bpi.ubc.ca, you can find a lot of information. We can establish different types of collaboration on the different types of agreements. So you had mentioned earlier some examples that you might want to talk about with regards to um, Finland's approach to biomaterials, being one of the, the world leaders in bioeconomy. An example that is uh, very kind of odd has to do with using fiber-based nanostructures to produce color. And this is actually quite nice from the marketing point of view, from the aesthetic uh, also aspects. But it has other implications as well, and this is just as an example. So there are a lot of things in fibers that we can unlock 
to find new, to realize new utilizations. And one of those is color, color for coatings or color for art and design. But to be more, more pragmatic, the, the idea in Finland is about uh, increasing the value of materials in the, in the Finnish forest sector. And, and for that, there are clear pathways, at least in Finland, about how we can go beyond the traditional forest products industry. And if we start to also invest in new bioproducts, and here I mean materials like uh, biocomposites, coatings, uh, wearables, textiles, I think there is a clear opportunity. And the calculations, at least in Finland, in the future is that a major gains in the exports and in, even in terms of percent points in GDP can be gained if we start to reinvent and look into new opportunities for forest products. And, and examples like the ones that we have discussed here are just some few, but there are many that we can add. So what I would say is that Open paper, paper products are amazing products, are really materials that have been around us for many, many years, and they are really amazing as far as performance. I, I, I was trained in making paper, in paper making uh, very early on. I really love paper as a product. But if we go to the next step to think about fibers and how fibers can be put together to make next generation materials, especially, for instance, in packaging and many of the major pressing needs that we have around us, I think there is a big opportunity for the industry. So uh, in the case of Finland, this is very clear. And, and the bioeconomic concept in Europe in, in general is very strong. There are excellent funding in instruments to incentivize efforts in this area. I hope that here in Canada, we can find a similar um, ecosystem so that we can really advance these ideas. I agree. It's a great part of the sustainability story as well. Papers got that you know, reputation for being sustainable, for being a renewable resource, but there's so many more ways we can use fiber in order to make things that are compostable, biodegradable, that kind of thing. And I think the world is ready for that now as we look to the way that we've been treating the planet. That's right. So if we think yeah. about sustainability, end of life of products, uh, as you said, compostability, biodegradability, all mixed together with the performance of a product, I think there is no other choice uh, but to look into the fibers from, from wood, right? There is no other choice. And if we think about plastic, substitution to plastics because of environmental issues or otherwise, I think there is no other option but uh, that that is offered by, by uh, renewable biomass. So I think mm -hmm. this is a really opportunity and, and the, the pressure just will increase with time. So we need to be prepared. And, and that means really to have the research in place and, and to have the collaboration between industry and institutes like UBC and universities all together, of course, under the umbrella of uh, government guidance and leadership. Mm -hmm. This is all very important. And, and I think we can take as an example what we see, uh, at least in my experience in Finland and Sweden, I think these are good examples. Just a question to incentivize such, such efforts uh, as a community that should be multidisciplinary and should also dream on, on the future in the right way. So I think uh, huge opportunities. And, and when we were thinking about can mask uh, that we discussed earlier, that was precisely the idea to see in society the idea that fibers go beyond pulp and paper. There are many opportunities and they look like paper if you mm -hmm. think about a mask. But it's a three-dimensional material that is in a shape, like a cup shape, that is produced by uh, processes that are well known in the pulp and paper industry. It's just that we make a new use for very high performance as far as filtration, for instance. 
So the opportunity is there. What we need is just to put things together. And I think uh, that's key for the pulp and paper industry in, in Canada. Again, I'm very proud of this area of work. Uh, and I think we have in Canada the dream team, the infrastructure, the knowledge, and also the history. Uh, the Canadian pulp and paper industry is, uh, is an example in the world for all the developments. In the UBC in particular, for instance, in the Pulp and Paper Center, there has been a lot of work, very nice work in the area of mechanical pulping, also wedding chemistries and um, uh, fluid dynamics. And uh, I think uh, we're in the right time. We just need to change a little bit the mindset and to look into these very uh, new opportunities that the future will offer. And I think, again, uh, we should be proud of the fiber resource that we have available in Canada that is so unique in their properties. Now it's time for us to start to, to exploit those opportunities in a sustainable manner. Okay, well, thank you so much for your time today, Orlando. We really appreciate you doing this interview with us. Thank you, Christina. Thanks again to our guest, Dr. Orlando Rojas, Director of the Pulp and Paper Center and Bioproducts Institute at the University of British Columbia. Find more episodes of this podcast, as well as the latest industry news, at pulpandpapercanada.com and on Twitter at Pulp Paper Canada. You can also search for us on Facebook and LinkedIn. I'm Christina Urquhart, and thanks for tuning in to this episode of Pulp and Paper Canada, the podcast.